Friends, we've got another great episode of the podcast for you today. But before we get started with that, I just want to remind you that we've got an opportunity for you for just 20 bucks. What can you do for your leadership for 20 bucks? Well, I suppose you could grab a book on Amazon, but I want to invite you into what I believe is the best kept secret in Christian leadership development right now, and it is the Right Side Up Journal. Now, we are a coaching organization. We've coached leaders for many years at Stay Forth. I've coached leaders for over a decade. But what I was seeing is that leaders would head five steps ahead during a coaching session, and two weeks later would kind of move two or three steps backwards. They were making progress, but they were losing some traction in the process. So we took about a year and we designed a journal that for 10 minutes a day can help you gain clarity, can help you take next steps. I have it open right in front of me here on my desk. I utilize it every day. And the Right Side Up journal is built to help you live and lead right side up in an upside down world. Friends, it is hard to stay focused. Overwhelm is, I believe, at an all-time high. Burnout is all too common today. We want you to live and lead right side up, and we have designed the Right Side Up journal for you. On the left page, you can plan your three blocks of the day. You can batch, you can block, you can stay clear, you can know if you succeeded when you head home each day. On the right side of the page, there's spaces to fill in, to doodle, to write quotes, to answer hard questions, to make sure that you don't miss the thoughts that come to you. Friends, this was designed in the trenches for leaders who are in the trenches, and we want to invite you to pick up a Right Side Up journal today. It's a three-month journey, and for just 20 bucks, you can get four of those for the whole year. You can journal your whole year for 10 minutes a day for just 80 bucks. I don't know where you can go for 80 bucks and get that kind of clarity, those kind of practical next steps. So pick up a copy of the Right Side Up Journal. If you don't like it, email us, let us know, and we'd be glad to give you a refund. That's how much we believe in it. Just 20 bucks. You can help to clarify your next steps and take them. Many teams are going through this together. Leaders from across the country, we send these out um, every week from probably all 50 states now at this point. We have a few we've sent out internationally as well. The Right Side Up Journal is designed for you. Any leader with any kind of influence who cares to steward it, you are invited to pick up a copy of the Right Side Up Journal. You can head over to rightsideupjournal.com. That's rightsideupjournal.com. You can find it in the show notes. You can also head over to stayforth.com and check out our journal. Friends, your leadership matters too much. The impact of leaders leading poorly and the impact of leaders leading well is significant. The question is, which of those will you be? We want to invite you to live and lead right side up in this upside down world. Now, on to our next episode of the podcast. Hey, friends, welcome back to the podcast. We're always bringing you guys practical. And people ask us a lot, how do things work behind the scenes at Stay Forth? And I'm the first one to tell them, we're doing a crazy thing here. I mean, we've got a decentralized team across the country, different time zones. Then we have coaches that are across the country as well, serving different clients. It's not like we are in the same room, in the same place, connecting each week. And I've realized that this is pretty unique, what we've got. I mean, crazy, unique, however you want to describe that. But we are going to get behind the crazy. If this is an iceberg and you hear 
just a little bit on the podcast. You see just a little bit on Right Side Up Community. You see our journal. Maybe you've been coached before. Then you can see the top piece of that. But there is another 90% underneath the waterline. And we thought we would just expose you to that today. And we want to talk about principles that keep us going. Six principles that we rely on here at Stay Forth, as well as some shared rules and values that we have that we think could be helpful to anyone leading a decentralized team. But first of all, I am here with my main man, the guy who usually edits this podcast and, well, maybe peeks in there on social media. You see him in some different spaces. Jonathan Collier. Jonathan, awesome to have you here. And tell folks a little bit about your role at Stay Forth. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here. It's always fun. I love our podcast. I think it's my favorite, but we're allowed to say that. Um, but my role, I'm, I'm the director of marketing. I largely live in that space. Alan just said below the surface of the water, uh, edit, produce this podcast, take the messaging that we have and, and communicate it outwardly for you folks and new people to invite them to come taste and see all the things that we're doing to help leaders get healthy and stay healthy and to reach more impact. And I think it's fitting that as we have this conversation, I'm sitting outside of a coffee shop. So this fully embodies remote work and how we can get something done while being thousands of miles apart. And there are times we'll come in from our car somewhere else, a mountain cabin, uh, anywhere we can get reception. And that's, I think, one of the really great things about remote work. There are a lot of hard things about remote work. But we, what we want to do on this episode is just kind of share actually what goes on behind the surface of this and behind closed doors. And we think this would be really helpful to you. So let's get going. First of all, I believe the most important is trust. You cannot accomplish work when you are in a different space, let alone a different time zone without trust. And so many have said this phrase, the speed of trust. We hope to move at a fast speed and we trust each other. I don't check in on Jonathan wondering if he's doing enough hours. I actually want to make sure he's getting enough rest and he's not doing too many hours. Jonathan, talk about those aspects of trust. How does that make its way to the surface in terms of how we work? I think you have to know and you have to have everybody, no matter what role you're in, whether you're, you're top down, looking out from the founder side, director of marketing side, executive admin, you have to know that life is going to happen. And because we don't meet in a specific place every single day, there's no way to micromanage any task. So because there's time spent away from screens and away from technology, you have to trust that the people that you're working with are going to get the things that they say they're going to get done within the, within plus or minus the time that's spelled out. And so you have to be comfortable with that. If you're someone who micromanages all the time, it's going to be hard to have that level of trust. Absolutely. And you're talking about hitting deadlines. Um, we have something I'm going to introduce you to called how we roll at stay forth, just very simple phrase, do what you say you'll do. And we're not talking about being lazy, quite the opposite is wherever you're working, whatever other projects you have going on in the course of your week, we do what we say we'll do. And so trust on both sides, we don't want to abuse trust. If I say Jonathan, I'll have that to you by next week, Tuesday, um, Mallory, who comes in um, from a coffee shop, usually Jonathan can come in from his home office or a coffee shop. I mean, it's beautiful in that sense, anywhere where you can get clean internet. And then also Michael, our director of experiences, um, planning, getting so much of his work done in the hours that, that he's got. So it does give us freedom and flexibility 
But I just think without trust, you said that word micromanage. We don't have enough energy to micromanage. We'd be wasting our time and energy. If you don't trust someone, do not bring them on your team, especially a decentralized team. There's just too much at risk. The mission matters too much to bring somebody on that you think you have to look over their shoulder all the time. And I just believe results speak for themselves as well, is that if Jonathan's getting his work done out in a hammock somewhere, or if he's getting it done in his office, it really doesn't matter to our mission. What really matters is he's getting it done. He's getting it done with excellence. Anything else on that trust piece, Jonathan? No, I would, I would just finish it up by saying we also, we trust to say that if there's something we're going to do and it's just not going to happen, we know there's open communication to say, Hey, you know what? I overshot with this one. Yeah. And yep. I just don't think it's going to happen. We've done it a few times where something just doesn't feel right. We'll say, I don't think we should be doing this. I overshot, you know, and, and there's open invitation to say, Hey, that's fine. No judgment. We'll adapt, we'll pivot and we'll keep rolling. And ideally we're saying that beforehand um, where we're right. going, Oh man, I actually have more this week than I thought, or we don't have this episode loaded up. I mean, twice a week podcast is no joke. And that in addition to the right side of community on Facebook, by the way, you should join. It's free. It's protected. It's awesome. And just the different things you have going on takes a lot. Uh, and so I think just that trust to know and think the best of someone else. And you talked about life hits and people go on vacation, um, which is Mallory's away, which is amazing. So glad she's away, relaxing, vacationing this week. Um, different schedules hit. Whenever I'm on a vision refresh, one-on-one with a leader, um, like I'll be later this week for three days, I can't communicate um, with people. I mean, I'm literally locked in with them. When I, whenever I'm on an experience with leaders, I'm not going to come into our meeting. And so we just trust that we're going to come in as many times as we possibly can. But if we are locked in, especially to stay forth work, we're going to be doing that. Trust is key. We could talk about that. I mean, that could be a whole episode here, a whole post on field notes. Second principle is communication. I mean, Sharp communication is more necessary when your team is not proximate. And let me give you a couple things we do, and then I'd love to hear your perspective on all these things, Jonathan. First of all, we do a short team meetup. I mean, it's first thing Monday morning, and we just dive in. We ask, what did you get done last week? Or what you got done last week, what you're going to get done this week? And so we call it got done, get done. Very, very simple structure, and it's literally 30 minutes um, with our leadership team. And then we do check-ins. Each person, we do check-ins. This is usually like 30 minutes, uh, very specific. And um, it's, hey, I'm working on this project. I need some help. Great. We're not talking two-hour sessions on Zoom here. Um, we do some of those on the phone as well. We utilize Google Drive more and more for ongoing projects. So we pull things out of our email. we found that email is just tough for, for us, especially if we're mobile. Um, and then I think just the Marco Polo communication has been probably the biggest addition that we felt to our team when we moved to that, which is very, very simple back and forth. We don't have to answer it in the moment. So Jonathan, talk about those different aspects of communication. Um, what's been most valuable about those to you and what's been most helpful to you doing your role? You have to have space for direct, clear communication. And you said it, that's our Monday meeting. We've set boundaries that we're going to meet. We're going to talk about these specific items because we're remote and we spend a lot of our time on technology. When we get together, we don't want to dip into unhealth by just wasting time to be on a meeting, right? We want to give our best things to what we've been called to do. 
So clear communication is key in those meetings. We don't waste time. Then we have space for collaborative communication, which is what you said, where, okay, I can put a doc up in Google Drive and then someone can go in there and edit it. And then I can see that they've added some notes and I can go back and do what I'm working. So we're still communicating clearly, but there's space to collaborate and work together. That's what Marco Polo is for. We have a spot where doesn't really warrant a phone call, but I want your thoughts on something. I'll drop into Marco Polo thread. You'll get to it within 24 hours and then respond back. So we've created space for two layers of communication that are very key. And it's not just efficient, but it's very effective for being able to operate in multiple areas at a high level while still bringing excellence to the table. I think it's so crucial if you're on a decentralized team to ask, what is the appropriate amount of communication for our team? What is the appropriate amount of communication for our team? Truthfully, I think a lot of teams over-communicate. They have too many funny things going on in their Slack feed. And so people then stop reading it or it becomes a pain. Um, People over-communicate, don't have boundaries for what they're going to share on Marco Polo or voice memos to each other. Or, you know, they send too many emails back and forth. It would be way easy to under-communicate as well, to not tell people, oh, I got that project done. Here's what's happening. So I'm a fan of those very quick, if you need collaboration on it, it's probably two or three minutes um, back and forth. And then we've got what we needed versus, um, hey, can we call a 30 minute meeting? Well, due to my coaching schedule, when I'm with a client, I'm completely locked in. I am not looking at my phone. I'm not going to be doing something else. So that's really important due to the nature of your work. Otherwise, um, you never get any deep work done if you're just communicating with your team all day. Yeah, I would say most organizations and teams out there, whether you're remote or not, if you did a communication audit over the course of a month and looked at all the things that you're saying and what you're talking about in your different channels, you will find very quickly that you could remove 10 to 15% of some of your communication in certain channels to find clarity and to find space to actually have deeper engagement and get more work done because we over communicate and we don't even realize it easily. And I think that that 30 minute boundary for that meeting is so important. It's pretty much just essentials. Hey, how are you doing personally? Let's look back at last week. There's some accountability there. Let's look forward to this week. Oh, that's helpful. I need to know what's on Jonathan's plate. I need to know what's on Mallory's plate. I need to know what's on Michael's plate or I can't uh, serve him. And by the way, if he needs time, I've got some margin. So never filling our weeks 100% because something's going to come up is really important. I'd rather have 30 minutes later for margin to be able to answer what we need um, versus have an hour meeting all the time. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to harp on meetings right now. I just think most of our meetings are too frequent and too long. And in coaching, I'm helping a whole lot of leaders communicate very, very sharp and very, very clear and do what we need. They're actually seeing some better results, which is pretty exciting uh, to me because you can get some energy back and get more time with your family. You can not get stuck um, in that slog of way too many meetings. So we better move on to our third principle. Again, number one is trust. Number two is sharp communication. Number three, you need shared rules. You need shared rules. Now, these are rules for how you're going to interact as a team. And at Stay Forth, we call these how we roll. This document, I believe, has transformed the way that we interact with each other because we've taken these rules of how Jonathan and I were naturally communicating and we've put them on paper so that this can grow and expand and scale for our team. Let me give you a couple of these um, very, very simple rules. Number one, always believe the best in others. Uh, feed the fires that are already burning. 
We don't want to just start new stuff all the time. What are those helpful things that are already happening? Uh, when in doubt, be generous. That's really helpful for us. Be generous with our time. Be a generous organization. Even just our process of experiment, get feedback, tweak, commit. And we have these just in a one-page document. It's very easy for us to see, and it kind of cements these rules for us. So, Jonathan, how have these rules been helpful to you? You hit the nail on the head. They communicate who we are as an organization at Stay Forth, and it lets you know kind of the sweet spot, really, of this is our identity. These are the things that we push towards. So um, it embodies, it encompasses everything. Really, all six of these principles we're going through in some way, shape, or form exist inside of that How We Roll document. And getting it out of our heads and out on paper as a remote team is very freeing to realize, okay, cool, everything is here. You know, they're not, they're not hard and fast all the time, but it gives you freedom to say, okay, all of the important parts are here and I should resonate with most of them. If things start to feel lopsided, well, I can go back to that and say, maybe I'm falling in a certain area. Maybe something's not sticking. We need to, we've realized, oh, we're starting to waste time. Remember we said one of our, one of our foundries is, you know, we're not going to waste time. And so we need to use it as a, it's a great source of a check to make sure that we're doing what we say we're going to do. Yeah, one of them, we just say, don't text about work after work hours. So I know that if I get a text from Jonathan, it's probably going to be him cooking up some tacos and he wants to share that. That's very different from work brain. Uh, and so my mind can relax uh, after hours. This gets challenging as well with different time zones. So Jonathan's two hours ahead in terms of time zone. That works for me really well for me because I'm an early guy. Um, and have kind of cut off the last of my afternoon work. So it, it, it works well, but it didn't always. And so we're really settling into this. Um, a couple of things I, I think will be helpful um, on here for me to share, just a couple more of these. Um, again, email for one-time exchanges, Google Drive for ongoing pro projects. And that's something that I tend to just shoot off an email, but I have to ask myself now, is this an ongoing project? And I've caught myself a couple of times and then somebody will take it over to the Google Drive. That's so helpful for us so it doesn't just get lost in there. Don't schedule needless meetings. Ask for a meeting when you want one. So just here are the rules. I want to create psychological safety for our team to know I know how things work. There aren't these secret rules. And I just wonder for you, what secret rules are embedded in your workplace? What secret rules are embedded in your workplace? And if they need to exist, make them tangible. Make them visible so people can actually see them and you can talk about them. One of them, for us, it's, it's really important. We'll talk about excellence. We actually have a definition for that in our how we roll. And so those are our shared rules of how we'll interact. The next principle is you need solid boundaries. And that comes back to the individual. Each individual needs solid boundaries. We could have the best uh, how we roll shared practices, but if each of us doesn't commit to having these solid boundaries, then it's actually not going to work. And so, um, Jonathan, talk about these. And we hold these really, really well. And then occasionally, we tweak these as needed. Tell me more. Yeah, so the individual, we all work independent, interdependent of one another. Um, and we all have different things that we're doing that are important to us. For me, um, one of my boundaries in the last six or eight months is I don't check email past four o'clock on Friday till eight o'clock Monday morning. I don't do it. Used to be really bad about it. That's something that I don't do. But 
what I will do and talk about, you know, I think all we need firm boundaries, but they have to be from time to time strategically movable. From time to time, a healthy boundary for me might be like, I'm going to work later this week. So this week that we're in right now, as you guys are listening to this podcast, I'm going to be working later than I normally would because I'm traveling the next 11 days. So the healthy boundary of my workday is going to be elongated slightly. It's clearly communicated so that people know that they're more accessible to me. But once this window is closed, that boundary is going to come back. So we have firm boundaries that we'll agree upon and then move them from time to time. But then they all come back because at the end of the day, everything we do is from the posture of health. And just a, just a note to whoever leads the team or whoever the founder is, what you do, people will emulate. And so I feel the weight of that, that if I'm shooting off emails at 8, 9, 10 p.m., that eventually people think, oh, this is how we roll. This is normal, mm-hmm. is that we need to work into the evening. And so um, one of the, the greatest gifts that I can give our team is to actually just model those boundaries myself, which is always a challenge. Let's be real. I mean, you get a work idea and it's really hard not to share it with the team, but just that discipline of, okay, I'll write it down in my journal, my right side of journal. And then tomorrow I will send that along to the team. I'll Marco Polo about it. Also to know that we could shoot off a Marco Polo at the end of the day. uh, And that Jonathan isn't going to see it till the right work time or email wise. So guys, this is just so important. And let me go over these again, just kind of to track along with what we believe is necessary trust, sharp communication, shared values as a team, shared rules. We call them how we roll. You need solid boundaries for each individual. The next thing is a commitment to excellence, a commitment to excellence. We're not talking about doing things in a shoddy way. We want to do things really well. And guys, we've actually defined what excellence is for our team. Excellence is doing the best we can with the resources we have at that moment. We have pulled off some cool things as a team. We've also pulled off some things that we really didn't feel like we had the resources to be able to do. And we have to remind ourselves, if we're going for perfection, we'll actually never do these things. And our team is all drawn toward perfectionism. Like that's what makes good employees. Let's just be real. Is that a commitment to excellence makes good employees. However, if we lean perfectionistic, We'll actually never do anything. And so I believe establishing a definition for excellence and sticking to that is so crucial so you don't fall to one side or the other. Jonathan, talk a little bit about that. I think it's easy, like you said, to pursue perfection because we all believe, especially if you're on a team where everyone deeply believes in the mission and vision and values of the organization. So everybody is going to inherently want to bring the absolute best to the table. When we, when we realize like at any stage of the game, when you say we're going to bring excellence to the table, we're going to bring, but we believe none of us is perfect. We're imperfect beings, right? So when we do the best we have with what we have at a given time, we bring that to the table and we use it the best we can. The end result is a much more meaningful, a much more well thought out, a much more um, well-received message or product or meeting or, or you know, whatever the, whatever the thing, the one thing may be. When you pursue things from a posture of excellence versus perfection, excellence is something you can actually achieve. Perfection to steal from you is really just a hollow chocolate bunny. Yes. And we are going to make mistakes. So are you. So is your team. And so get it as ready as it is for that launch, but that's still a rough draft. You're still, right. that's, that's the beauty. If something is wrong, we've had things wrong on the podcast 
people have made all kinds of mistakes over on field notes. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to probably say things wrong in a video. We're going to probably tell you the wrong date for something at some point. It's going to happen, but you can always go back and correct it. So I think that's something to remember as well in our digital age, never been easier than it is right now to correct things. And I just want to challenge you to create the right definition for your team at this moment for excellence. Excellence for a startup that's two months in is very, very different for a company that's 20 years in. I hope you still experiment after 20 years, but you're going to just have a different system, a different process, maybe some different leaders in place. So we make mistakes all the time, but that doesn't mean it's not excellent. Establish your definition, live in that lane and hold people accountable to it. And chances are, if you get the right people, they're actually too drawn to perfectionism and they're actually high performers, high capacity leaders. And we just have to be careful that we don't do uh, what I call procrastination through education. And that's one of our how we rolls. That is not welcome here. Procrastination through education. So because we don't know what to do, we're just going to read six more books about it. Are we as ready as we're going to be to launch this thing? Yes, this can be excellent. Now, afterwards, we're going to do a postmortem. We're going to learn from it. How can we take it to the next level? We do, and we're probably going to even utilize it more down the line. Last principle is simplicity. This is so crucial. If your systems, your communication, your rhythms, your processes are complex, then people across the country are not going to be able to track with them. You're actually going to spend a majority of your time working inside of the business as the founder or the leader, not on it. The, the vision, the strategy, where are we going? How do we reach new people with this message, this idea, this product? And I'm just, I wanted to put this one last. Trust first, simplicity last. Because when we have discovered something, and Jonathan, you can chime in on this. We've discovered something and said, man, we're just trying too hard on this. Is this harder than it needs to be? And we have made some tweaks and said, well, what if we just did this? What if we just connected this way? What if this was the best way to do it? And we've pretty much eliminated um, things like random last minute text messages. And so when we have them, we know we really need to respond. We've eliminated a lot of the things causing drag. Um, how have you seen simplicity be helpful to what we do? I would, I'm going to brag. And I would say the way we operate is simple and practical. And it, simplicity and overcomplicating um, team structure and communication and projects is one of the most prevalent Achilles heels to many organizations. The need to overthink and overcomplicate some of the simplest tasks. And if you're talking about starting a car, put the key in or push the button and turn the ignition. You don't need to have a process for walking to the car to sit in the car and start the car. And a lot of teams do that. And we've done that here. Like we've done postmortems on things where we realized this didn't need to be this complicated what happened. And we've, we've sloughed away 10, 15, 20% of things that just are not necessary to get from point A to point B in a way that's not just effective, but efficient. And it allows us to move fast and light. And we had a, uh, we had a particular technology that we were using um, for forms, fill in online forms. And we began to realize that this was way too complex. Well, we couldn't quit using this form immediately, but Jonathan researched some things and that was the question. What is the simplest way to accomplish this task? And honestly, I would go for simple 
over beautiful any day. Now, I don't want it to look terrible, but if this one looks okay, but it is the simplest way to do it, those are precious hours for our team working on this. And I would actually, sometimes people are wowed by the prettiest looking thing. Make sure that that device is simple. And that's a question I've asked. I think every time we've added technology, Jonathan, whether it's our, our CRM, whether it's behind the scenes, how we're doing podcasts, um, our programs and processes, because if in the course of a year, we're adding complexity to your life, Jonathan, that's hours, that is issues, that's all kinds of complexity that takes you away from the mission. We do live by this rule of thumb that it's guilty until proven innocent. And I'm I'm this way with technology, where if before a new piece of technology is going to be implemented, what other what other aspects can be eliminated? Because can this one thing have overlap where it can now accomplish more than one other thing? Or can it remove some steps along the way to where now you have one piece that's functioning instead of just one spline in the gear, it's now an entire gear wheel in itself. And we we really live in that space and we'll look ahead and say okay eventually we want to implement this that's where we're headed so let's not overcomplicate things to get there let's do what let's do the best thing here the best thing here to get to that spot so we make strategic jumps when we know we need to to keep things simple beautiful and effective like when those three things come together is when is when you can really thrive and that's really you know, kind of below what we're doing, those are almost like our design principles below it is uh, simple being so important. I mean, almost at the base there and beautiful, of course, how do we make things aesthetically pleasing? How do we make things a great experience um, for your eyes, for your mind, for your ears, whatever, whatever beauty looks like there. And then effective, uh, if it doesn't work, if it's simple and it's beautiful, but it really isn't helpful to people, it doesn't work, then, then we're not going to do it. And so, um, guys, I think just to end this, you can't be too intentional on forming the ways that your team interacts. You can't be too intentional on telling people, this is how we're going to do it. You may feel like you're ordering people around. What we've found is since we created this, how we roll document, these principles we're going to live by as a team, psychological safety has gone up, especially for new people on a team. While Jonathan and I have been working together for a long time, that isn't helpful when somebody else comes on the team. So if you have secret principles, secret rules for your team, the ways you're going to interact, but you haven't put them on paper, now is the time to put them on paper. Are people expected to go in each day? Are people expected to check in? Are people expected to give you know, feedback on their project as you go along? Um, if they are, and if you have expectations, I believe we owe it to our people to tell them exactly what's expected. Sometimes we'll hit things and I'll say, oh, I hoped for that in my mind, but I never communicated it. So it's not fair to have that as an expectation this time, maybe created in the future. Friends, we're all about practical here. We want this to be helpful. So if you have any thoughts on this, please go ahead and drop a thread over on Right Side Up Community and kind of start a conversation there about remote work. I know this is something that more and more uh, groups are moving to. Teams, corporations have been doing this for a long time. There are companies that aren't going back to in the office, which will change the way that you guys interact. If you do not have rules and common practices, 
then you will not be able to build a healthy, effective team. That's what we want for you. We're going to keep bringing you some practical things here in the next few weeks. Really excited for some of these upcoming episodes. You'll even get a peek at one of our Stay Forth experiences. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast. Jonathan, good to have you in front of the mic. So long.